Investing your money always comes with risk. We've seen how geopolitical shocks can spook the markets. The US killing of Iran's military commander, Qasem Soleimani, in early January, for example, sent the price of gold, which is a traditional safe haven for investors in uncertain times, soaring to a six-year high of almost $1,600 an ounce. In 2019, the US-China trade dispute also took its toll on the markets, along with the never-ending Brexit saga in the UK. Now markets are also trying to absorb what the coronavirus outbreak actually means. So how should investors position their portfolio in volatile times? I'm Alice Hain, the personal finance editor of The National, and joining me is Andy Scott, a video journalist at The National. Later, we'll be joined by Stuart Ritchie, a director and chartered financial planner with the global wealth advice company AES International. And we'll also hear from someone who keeps investing in a portfolio of low-cost index funds, no matter what is happening in the world. So, Andy. Hello. What is your investment strategy? I think money is too precious to invest, if that doesn't sound a contradiction. I've always found that I need money and I don't really have enough to uh, to lose any. And I think investment risk is what terrifies me. So you're not actively investing in the market? Well, or? I mean, you know, I've bought houses, which of course is, is an investment, um, although I've also lost money on houses, um, which has definitely affected the way I look at investments. So for you, risk is a major, major oh, factor. Oh, huge, huge. And I'm not a gambler by, na- by nature. It's not something uh, I would ever look to do. So, And I see investments as gambling. So what do you do with your money? Do you save it? Yeah, I save money, but I just save it in a, a, a high-yield uh, investment account. And that's something that I see quite a lot, actually, you know, particularly in the business section. I have a, I'm surrounded by lots of people with great financial knowledge who have pots of cash that they just sit have sitting in the bank. They don't actually invest it. And I say to them, well, why aren't you investing it? And they say, oh, but Alice, you know, there's going to be a big market crash soon. And I said, but you've been saying that for the last five years. And in that last five years, I've been investing my money and, and earning returns on my dividends. So you're talking about volatility at the top of the show here. I mean, that's why people buy gold. They can see it. They know it exists. It's a physical asset. Yes. Well, the whole point about, I mean, I have a long-term strategy, and, and this is something that we, we talk a lot to our readers, is it's not thinking about what's happening in the markets today, last hour, next week. It, you know, these little things that happened, you know, trade trade wars or Brexit or viruses, pandemics, whatever it is that's going to trigger a crash or, or a massive surge. You're thinking long term. You've got to think 30, 40 years. You've got to fund that retirement. And so the only way that to, to not think about all that volatility is to just think, well, in 40 years, the stock market will be higher than it is now. And you just keep investing on a regular basis. For some people, that's on a monthly basis. For some people, that's a quarterly basis. But just if you keep investing consistently over time and you don't look at the investments, you might rebalance them once a year, but just so that you've got ni- a nice kind of equal allocation across stocks and bonds and or across different um, geographies. But as long as you stick with the same plan and you keep investing on a regular basis over time, that portfolio will be worth a lot more and you will have a nice pot of cash sitting at the end. 
the issue That's not always true though. Well, it's not always Well, true. it depends on how you invest. If you if you use a, a, a financial advisor that's selling you a product with very very heavy fees, that's going to massively crimp the amount of growth you have. But if you're doing it yourself and you're you're choosing the low fee model and you're being consistent and you're and you're thinking in 40 years time, yes, the stock market will be higher than it is now in 40 years time. In theory, we can never predict anything. I would never want to predict anything. And so over time that that money will have accrued and you will be able to you will be earning substantial returns in dividends on that money that you're sitting there. But that does not I mean I mean statistically you might be correct but there's a lot of arguments to say that and a lot of times that it has happened stock market crashes have wiped out people's uh, investments if they take it out it doesn't it doesn't wipe it out if you don't sell Andy as long as you you hold it but if you you hold you buy and hold for the long term i mean i do have quite a, a substantial um a bit of cash because of my travails and not buying a house and stuff but i just don't want i i i as i say i don't want to lose that money and therefore I would far rather take a smaller return, which is guaranteed, than the possibility of a great return. Particularly if you've been hurt in the past, that's understandable. I think what I, I my biggest challenge is that, and I'm, I mean, you as you know, we're, we're, we're colleagues from uh, from the business desk. Uh, I do know the business world, but I would be, I would be scared of investing on my own ignorance. Because and therefore you said if you don't go to a financial advisor, who might be charging these fees? But if I didn't go to a financial advisor, I wouldn't know what I was talking about. It's about finding the right financial advisor. You want to find a fee-based financial advisor, someone who charges you upfront for a fee, so not someone who who weaves commission into products. You don't. You're not buying products. You're buying advice, and that that is the very key thing. So. You, you know, not everybody can invest on their own. Not everybody wants to do that. And some people like to have their hand held. So there's a couple of options for you. One is to, to go to a fee-based financial advisor who actually gives you advice and not uh, is not out there to sell you products. And that's what you want to steer away from because that's they'll often sell you a product that doesn't isn't in your best interest because that product will actually be paying them a, a nice handsome commission. And they might sell you something that pays them a, an even better commission to, to pay them rather than to pay you. So you want someone who you can actually pay for advice. But there's also other options. For example, there's robo-advisories now. They use technology to basically invest for you. Um, so there's a company in Dubai International Financial Center, for example, which is called Sawa, and they have um, their fees are pretty low. So they would invest into exchange traded funds on your behalf and they would charge you, let's say you had less than $50,000 in there, they'd charge you 0.85% uh, for, for choosing the funds for you and for to making the investments happen. That's more than I would pay to do it myself, but it means that you're having your hand held and you, you're safe in the knowledge that somebody knows what they're doing and you're not kind of going out there uh, buying funds willy-nilly. But, but the, in the, at the end of the day, if you want to invest your money and you want your money to grow and you want to have a safe, secure retirement, you kind of have a duty of care to to do your reading and find out information about where, how and where to invest money in a way that suits you. I think people sometimes spend more time thinking about how to cut their hair or how to do their beauty products or, in your case, maybe what clothes to buy than how to invest their money. You have to think about your money. You have to spend time and research just as you would maybe think about what the latest haircut is. I don't know why I'm using that example, Andy, because I'm totally <laughs> uninterested in hair. But... Um, 
I and I and I actually go to the hairdresser and say, just do what you want. But with it's your money. So I think we need to bring in Stuart now to explain what investors should be doing in volatile times and perhaps to give you a bit of reassurance, Andy, so that you feel, you know, not so, so frightened about how to invest your money. So I can blame Stuart. Okay. So Stuart. <laughs> so Stuart, what should our strategy be in volatile times? I think the most important strategy is one that is diversified across markets and asset groups. That will help you manage the risks and ultimately pursue higher expected returns. It's incredibly important that you you stay disciplined and maintain a long-term perspective. I think, you know, given what we've seen recently with the the geopolitical news that that seems to spread, but if we go back even 10 years, you know, we went through unprecedented US credit rating downgrades, sovereign debt problems in the Europe, negative interest rates, flattening yield curves, a Brexit vote, 2016 US presidential election, recessions in Europe and Japan, slowing growth in China, trade wars, and geopolitical turmoil in the the Middle East. Yet over that time frame, if you'd invested $10,000 in 2010, then today it would be worth over $24,000. So despite all those risks, the opportunity to, to benefit from equity investing is definitely there. Can I just ask you for our listeners to explain to you what a bond actually is so that they understand why that's such an important component of their portfolio? So the difference between equities and bonds, uh, an equity is an ownership uh, of the company that you're investing into. And with that, with that risk comes the opportunity for dividends. When it comes to investing in bonds, you're giving a loan to a company or a government and what you receive at the end of the term is a return of your capital. And along the way, you receive coupons or interest payments. Now, if anything was to go wrong with a company, then equity holders fall far further behind bondholders when it comes to repayment of capital. So bonds are viewed as a safer asset class than equities, but generally the returns are lower. What you can also do with bonds, depending on the credit quality. So obviously, if I was to lend money to the UK government, then they haven't defaulted ever on any loan that's been made to them. Whereas giving a loan to a company potentially has a greater risk. Now, what that means is that my return for those investments will be limited by the amount of risk that I'm willing to take. But what bonds do is act as a an excellent diversifier when it comes to an individual's portfolio. Now, the, the question around term, the longer a term you take in a bond, generally the riskier it would be because you've got a longer term till you see the repayment of the capital that you gave at the start. Again, during those periods of, of volatility, I think we'll all have seen papers talk about the flight to quality and that's generally when equity investors panic sell out of the market and then buy into bonds and push up the price of high quality short-term bonds so that's why it's incredibly important to hold both equities and bonds within a portfolio and that's also going back to the importance of just being consistent with your investment rather than taking the money out when everything goes wrong and panicking it's just being slow and steady and having a long-term strategy Absolutely. I think we, we all need to take the daily news that we read about with a pinch of salt and avoid those reactive investment decisions. We saw at the turn of this year, um, equity markets suffered their highest outflows that, that we'd ever seen. And during that period, uh, equity markets performed extremely well. So people who witnessed that, that downturn in 2018 at the tail end, who panicked and sold out, missed the upturn at the start of 
2019. But again, we understand that it's very difficult when you see markets drop by 10, 15 or 20 percent. You know, a 20 percent fall is a bear market. You know, a 10 percent to 20 percent is called a correction. So you see these titles being bandied about. But on average, equity markets fall by 13 percent every single year. So when you know that that happens and you, you can sort of come to terms with that, then it should stop you panicking during those periods. And ultimately, if you're buying in on a monthly basis, like a lot of us save, if you're buying in monthly, then if the equity markets fall by 13%, that just means you're buying the companies cheaper than you did the month before, which is fantastic for long-term wealth growing. So you said on average, uh, equities fall 13% a year. Is that what you said? So during the year, we will see equity markets. I think the the, the actual figure is 13.9% for intra-year declines. Now, despite that, equities have risen in 49 out of the, the last 69 calendar years. So even though we've seen the market fall by over 10% each year, you know, they have still gone on to be positive 49 out of those 69 years. So, so, would, it, so would it not make total, more sense just to buy into sort of tracker funds which just follow the, the equity market itself? Correct. Uh, absolutely. I would I would 100% agree with that. The, the difficulty is understanding. So what you want to do is to buy global tracker funds because we don't know which countries will outperform from year to year. So it's incredibly important. Geographically diversified too. I see. Okay. Do so you want a global ETF, Andy, that, that enca- encapsulates the so whole world? So you're scaring me saying ETF. Exchange traded fund. Yeah, I know. But, so how do we stop scaring Andy, Stuart? Yeah, how do we get it. him? How do we stop get it. him in? How do we persuade him that? I mean, should he be doing his research, or does he turn to somebody like you who can help? Uh, yeah. I, I, again, I think that it, it really depends on the circumstances. I think that if you're in the wealth. Um, wealth building phase there are some fantastic resources that are available for free Andrew Hallam's uh, expat millionaire um, is a fantastic book and to give that global diversification and you know some kind of stats around that and from 1988 to 1993 emerging markets grew by 544% the S&P grew by 129 but if we go from 2008 to 2019 emerging markets grew by 11% and the S&P grew by 160 so it's extremely difficult to be able to predict. And I would be cautious of anyone who comes to you telling you they know what the returns will look like. I, I think that paying for financial advice uh, is absolutely correct when you have slightly more um, difficult planning needs. But I think for a lot of individuals, it, it is possible to, to set up ETS. I think one of the most difficult parts that I come across on a daily, on a daily basis is people's emotional reactions to the market and they they get carried away you know when when markets are going up they suddenly overload on equities and then we witness that 13 percent fall they panic they sell out again and again having someone there to act um, almost like a coach to stop you from making those bad decisions you know i think we look at golfers you know the best golfers in the world still have coaches to to help them progress and to get better and to stop them making those those mistakes and ultimately that's what a financial planner should be there um, and help you to do but this is why you go back to investing regularly Andy you, you just you keep you're consistent you do it you either do it monthly or you do it quarterly but you keep doing it no matter how you know no matter what's going on in the world you just keep going you keep plowing in the money 
But what are, I mean, what level are you talking about? I mean, when you're saying you monthly, I mean, if I've got if, if just say we've I've got um, two and a half thousand dirhams, is it any is it worth investing two and a half thousand dirhams a month? Absolutely. Is it? Yes. Hundred percent. Thank you, Stuart. <laughs> so my my advice is what whatever you can save in two and a half thousand dirhams a month, when you compound that over 10, 15, 20 years, is a, is a fantastic amount. And, you know, ultimately, we know that equity markets provide growth over and above inflation. So you're getting a real return. If you were to put that in a local bank, you might get one and a half, two percent. Again, if we, we look back at what the last 10 years have done, you know, you could, you could have had 9% if you've been invested 100% in equities. Now that, that has to be right. And ultimately, the asset allocation under under the bonnet has to be right because it drives 90% of returns. But there is a, a lot of fantastic free resources out there that, that can help with that. Some fantastic groups that I'm part of on Facebook, Simply FI is one. Again, I'd recommend Andrew Hallam. Um, there's, there's lots of information to help people get started. Now, I think if you find that it's getting a little bit too complex or you're unsure what steps to take, then consulting with a financial planner uh, is absolutely the, the right thing to do. I think Vanguard say that a good financial planner can add 3% returns per annum. So um, that, that can make a, a, a huge difference. So do you sit there and watch people's, uh, for want of a better word, portfolios? I mean, you know, if I've come into you and said, look, OK, I've got a pot of cash, I'd like to invest it. Will you sit there and, and, and track it and care for it and nurture it? Or will you just I go, think, okay, I think you should do this, I go do it, and then when it goes Pete Tongue, I'm, I'm the one who's <laughs> sat there holding the, 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 the bunch of nothing. I, no, it's, I think ultimately I have to understand what you're trying to achieve. In terms of sitting watching the markets, no, I, I don't do that. I have zero control over what happens in the market. For my clients, all I do is make sure that their asset allocation is correct and that Ultimately, I, I want to be able to pass on the good news that they can they can stop working or they can pay for their kids' education or grandchildren's education, whichever goal it is that they they set out to achieve. And you know, ultimately, the first thing that any financial planner or advisor should be doing is understanding you and what your financial plan is, and then helping you build towards that. We we see people making investment decisions for the next thirty years based on the last thirty minutes of news, which can be absolutely catastrophic for their for their ideal futures you know when we put together a portfolio uh, for a client you know that is linked to the goals that they're looking to achieve then one of the key parts of that is rebalancing monitoring the progress because we expect equities to outperform bonds over the the kind of short to medium term therefore if your portfolio is left as it is then suddenly your allocation to equities will be higher then we have deemed your your sort of attitude to risk to be. So we would then look to take some of the gains from those equities and reinvest them back into the bonds. And again, it's it's something that a, a good financial planner should be part of your plan and really looking to plot how you get to that destination. And you know, some years last year was a fantastic year. We watched in, in dollar terms uh, the U.S. stock market return 31%, and even bonds um, were around eight percent across the year so it was a great great year to invest but what that tells me at the next time I sit down with my clients I need to sell down some of the US and put that money back into bonds so that their their portfolio isn't unbalanced and, and taking on 
more equity risk than it than it absolutely has to. So I've got a question from a listener now, uh, Stuart, which I'm going to put put to you, and obviously you chip in, Andy. I have a lump sum of cash to invest from an inheritance payout. With the market so up and down at the moment, I don't know whether to wait until things settle down before dipping my toe in. Also, should I invest the whole lump sum at once or drip feed it in over a period of time? So what do you say to that, Stuart? Well, the best time to invest was yesterday. Uh, The second best time to invest is, is today. Vanguard have done a number of studies around this and actually the best the best way to get your money is to put it into the market immediately rather than drip feeding. And I, I can understand that, that for people when they hear about how markets are at all-time highs, that can be a, a difficult decision to make, but you know, the evidence is there. They, they just need to get that money working for them and almost get it invested and forget about it. So how does that make you feel, Andy? Um, I get, I, you, know, you have made me more sanguine towards the idea of... Um of, of investing. My reticences was driven by the fact that I put a load of money in a house here and took a bath on it. I've had my fingers so burnt that I just thought, nah, I might as well just earn money, work for a living and stop paying for someone else's lunch and rather pay for my own. Well, I mean, I understand that, but you've got to be in it to win it. I always think you've still got to be part of, of the investment world. And I, I just think it's really important that everybody gets involved, puts the fear to one side. You know, we all, as I said earlier, we all do get burnt. It happens to everybody. But it's about getting the right advice and having access to the right information and then making the right decisions that can protect you and not having a really high-risk portfolio or really high fees. It's just about being part of the investment world but in a way that means you're not going to get hurt. Thank you very much for joining us, Stuart. It's, it's been very insightful. Thank you. So now we're going to speak to Steve Cronin, who's the founder of DeadSimpleSaving.com, which is an independent community for financial education in the UAE. And Steve, your strategy is to shut out the noise and invest no matter what. That's correct. You really have to just ignore the news, uh, ignore your parents, ignore whoever else might be misleading you or getting you to sell your stocks or stop investing. Uh, you really just have to keep putting money to work in the, in the stock market. And these uh, doomsayers who are saying, oh, everything's going to fall apart, they've been saying that it's going to fall apart about once a week for the past 10 years. And at some point when it does go down, then uh, they will have been proved right. And every 10 to 15 years, there might be a big crash of 40 or 50%. That doesn't mean that you need to try and angle your portfolio towards that uh, because what you don't want to be doing is, is keeping your cash all to one side and then when you think it's the bottom of the market, then then put it in because you won't be able to hit the bottom of the market. You'll, you'll be thinking that the market's still, still going to go down even further and you'll keep your money to off to one side and the market will rebound and you'll have missed your opportunity and you simply will never invest ever. And just from your point of view, because you've been investing for a long time, when did you actually start investing in the markets? Um, I I started investing in 2002 when I was back home in the UK. I was I was still invested when my the, my parent company that, that I had some stocks in went down from forty eight dollars to twenty three dollars in three days. That was pretty rough. I was still invested during the Great Crash of 2008. I think what probably saved me there was. Um, 
I I didn't necessarily know my login codes at the time, and I was I was way too busy working to to worry about this stuff. So you didn't actually log in to correct anything. You just kind of carried on working. I just carried on working. I remember thinking, oh, this feels like the bottom of the UK stock market probably turn up from here. And I think it probably did. But I literally didn't have time. And uh, and I think that, that that did save me, actually. You just have to worry about something else. Worry about your family and your friends and keeping your job. Worry about that, those sorts of things um, during a recession. Don't try and worry about trying to be clever about the stock market because I guarantee that anything you've done to try and be clever will completely unravel during a downturn and uh, you'll regret it. So just, uh, I, I say, you've got to invest with your 30-year brain. So not your 30-year-old brain, but your 30-year brain. So you've just got to, to, to really have that mindset that you put, put your money in there for 30 years. You're not going to touch it. It doesn't matter what's happened and what's going to happen. You're just putting it away. And it's obviously worked for you. So thank you very much, Steve. Thank you. Steve achieved financial independence in 2017 after consistently investing in a portfolio of low-cost, exchange-traded funds, even when markets were tanking, such as during the global financial crisis of 2008 to 2009. Thank you this week to Andy Scott, Stuart Ritchie and Steve Cronin. If you would like advice on your personal finance issues, you can write to me on pf at thenational.ae and pf stands for personal finance. Please do subscribe to the podcast in your podcasting app to receive weekly updates and also leave a review so we know what you think. This episode was produced by Arthur Edison, Aisha Khan and Erica El-Kershi. I've been your host, Alice Haynes.